Old Mother Hubbard went to the cupboard to fetch a Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast that sometimes wears a fake mustache. From time to time, he wanders off the reservation, Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast, and I am so happy to have you joining us today. What we're doing for you is to try to help you feel comfortable and knowledgeable about Medicare. Now, you may have a Medicare encounter coming up. You may have to be uh, thinking about your Medicare enrollment, or you may not for a while, but you enjoy listening to uh, people goof off during a podcast. Well, I don't know what your motivation for being here is, but I'm going to try to make it worth your while. And the way I do that is to recommend that you go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com and purchase a copy of my book. Right now, it's going to be Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 but soon the 2024 book is coming down the pike. So the 2023 books are going up in value because they're they're limited in availability. And you can grab yours uh, while you have the opportunity. But what happens when you buy and when you read Medicare for the Lazy Man? Medicare for the Lazy Man gives you enough Medicare knowledge to make you an expert on Medicare. Every day I hear from people who have read this book and who have said, aha, it finally makes sense. I now understand many of the mysterious things about the Medicare program. Well, you can be in that number. You can certainly join the people that have a clearer vision of Medicare. You can do that by going to either of the stores I mentioned, barnesandnoble.com or Amazon.com and purchasing uh, perhaps the paperback book or the Kindle ebook or the Audible book that you can listen to. And if you're a high roller, I would suggest going all the way to the $22 hardcover book at Amazon.com. Not everybody is uh, qualified to handle such an important piece of literature. But I'll bet as a listener to this podcast, you can do it just fine. So buy the book, read the book, and then you will know much more about Medicare than you ever thought you needed to know. It'll all make sense to you. And frankly, if there are loose ends or things that you need assistance with, or if you need a licensed insurance salesman in order to um, enroll in the Medicare coverages that you know you're going to need, then my contact information is right in the book, and I'll be waiting for your call or your email. And speaking of waiting, the guy who's been waiting for me for the last 20 minutes while I blow my own horn is Randy Carson. And Randy is happy to know that uh, we're now ready to have him join us in the podcast studio. Randy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Doug? I'm doing just fine. It's a beautiful Arizona day. It's not quite as warm as we'd like it, but it's not as cold as it has been, so that's that's great for us. I'm whining today. Why would you do that? Because it's only 62 degrees. Ah, patience, my son, patience. I believe you're going to be happy with the, uh, the uh, temperature that you'll enjoy later on today. Good. Well, I hope so, because 
As I told you earlier, I'm, I, I've got to make it to an appointment. I sure don't want to miss that. Well, you had an appointment two days ago uh, after our last episode. What happened? Well, you know, I just keep having them. They, they just love to have me. And oh, uh, boy. I'm, I'm personally, you know, personally supporting their, their office in terms of, you know, income. Uh, well, my first thought was that maybe they buy you a nice lunch every time you go there. But then I realized that you probably wouldn't enjoy having a nice lunch after they get through with you. No, it's, as you know, it's an oral surgeon. So, you know, they don't have to buy lunch for anybody because not only wouldn't it be enjoyable, they won't let you use straws or anything else, you know, when you get done. So I just oh, have boy. to come home and starve to death and hope I don't pass uh, out on the way down the 101. Sounds like your life is a crock. It is right now. That's a bad idea. How would you like to learn something about Medicare? I would. Let's get going. Uh, we have a lot of things to cover today. So I'm going to, uh, you know, as the nominal producer, let's um, push it on down the road and okay. let's get her done. Let's get her done. All right. Number one on the list. The first thing that floated to the top of the pile of the content curators work is an article entitled Reigning in Riches from Caring for the Elderly. And it starts out, Hi, this is John in Boston. Managing U.S. government-sponsored health care for the elderly has been a lucrative uh, occupation for health insurers. Now, companies are dealing with efforts to make it a little less so. More on that later. But first, another headline in the same article, Profits Get Thinner, for Medicare insurers. U.S. health insurers have been dealing with some bad news lately. The government is making it harder to profit off of health care for seniors, seniors, and covering the elderly is one of the richest segments in the sector. Created in 1965, Medicare covers about 65 million older and disabled Americans at an annual cost of about $944 billion as of 2022. Today, about half of them get their care through Medicare Advantage plans, private versions of the public program that are administered through insurance companies. Well, okay, author, uh, I got to tell you, the same is true of Medicare supplement plans, but Medicare supplement plans are more reasonably priced and provide better, less disappointing coverage than Medicare Advantage plans. So let's cut out this denigration of the word private. Private insurance companies handle good coverage and bad coverage, and Medicare Advantage plans are bad coverage in many cases. So uh, this article goes on to denigrate private uh, corporations. The private plans offer some benefits for seniors like access to wellness programs and lower out-of-pocket costs, but they impose additional restrictions on care and limits on which doctors and hospital uh, on which doctors and which hospitals patients can visit. However, the disadvantage for all Americans who pay for the program through tax, tax dollars is that the private plans, the Medicare Advantage plans, are costly for the government. Now, this article says they're about 4% greater. The one from two years ago said they were 3% greater cost per covered person. So, um, part of the costs are industry profit, and Medicare Advantage is more profitable for insurers than their other lines of business. Per enrollee, gross margins, a measure of profit, in Medicare were more than twice those in individual group and private Medicaid plans in 2021. 
So the government has tried to bring its payments to Medicare Advantage plans back under control. It has slashed rate increases for insurers, and it's revised how it pays for the sickest patients. The industry balked when changes were announced and stocks have drops, dropped. Standard & Poor's index of five top health insurers is down by 9% from its all-time record high reached in October of 2022. Humana, the second biggest participant in Medicare Advantage, is among the hard-hit companies. Annual profits this year won't be nearly as big as Wall Street expected, and the company said its late January earnings report, in fact, a little more than half as much as anticipated. Um, the company also pulled its guidance for next year. The question remains as to whether government's Medicare program, whose most important job is making sure the agent of the nation's elderly are cared for, should be a major profit center for private insurance industry. Profit is a good thing, but how much is too much? Okay, that's that guy's opinion. What happens if you take too much Ozempic or Wigovi? Okay, this has been floating around the office here for quite some time, and it's about time that we dug into it. In 2023, there's been an unprecedented number of overdoses of the semi-glutide drugs such as Ozempic and Wigovi. Poison control centers across the United States are witnessing a concerning increase in inquiries related to the semi-glutide, uh, an injectable medication used for diabetes management and weight loss. The medicine is marketed as Ozempic for diabetes management and Wigovi for weight loss. In 2023, from January to November, America's poison centers have reported recording nearly 2,941 calls related to semaglutide, marking more than a 15-fold increase compared to 2019. Well, you know, that's less than 3,000 people during most of a year. Uh, in 94% of these cases, semaglutide was the sole reported substance involved. Semaglutide for diabetic, diabetes management or weight loss following the endorsement of Ozempic by celebrities on social media in 2022 for weight loss, there was a surge in demand that outpaced the available supply. Consequently, the drug was recorded as being in short supply. Um, the shortage opened the door for select pharmacies with appropriate qualifications to produce compounded versions of the drug. These compounded formulations of semaglutide often diverge from the patented drug and frequently incorporate semaglutide salts, specifically semaglutide sodium and semaglutide acetate. The FDA has raised concerns regarding the safety and efficacy of these salt-based formulas or formulations as they have not undergone the rigorous testing and approval process applied to the patent medicines. Consequently, they do not qualify for compounding exemption granted to drugs that are facing shortages under the law. In certain instances, compounded versions are marketed in unapproved dosage strengths. So pharmaceutical manufacturer Novo Nordisk, Nordisk has also filed lawsuits against six entities, including medical spas, medical clinics, and weight loss clinics, seeking to prohibit the sale of their knockoffs uh, semaglutide formulations, uh, apparently knockoffs of other products from that company. It's important to understand that all medicines must go through clinical trials to assess their safety and efficacy. 
Any changes to formulations of an improved medicine must also follow strict procedures to ensure that they remain safe and uh, effective. Despite these regulatory concerns, compounded versions remain popular, primarily due to the potential for reduced out-of-pocket costs, particularly in cases where the insurance coverage is unavailable. And moving farther down the article, are adverse events linked to patented or compounded drugs? Poison control centers find it challenging to identify whether the reported symptoms are linked to the patented medication or to the compounded version. However, some state poison uh, center directors express the belief that many of these calls are attributable to the compounded formularies. There is no specific antidote available for countering a semaglutide overdose. Semaglutide has a relatively long half-life of approximately one week, meaning that it takes a week to eliminate half the drug from the human body. Consequently, emergency departments and hospitals can only provide supportive care to patients, administering intravenous fluids and anti-nausea medication while the drug gradually metabolizes and exits the system. What are the signs of a semaglutide overdose? Um, a professor says that um, uh, if someone takes too much Ozempic or Wegovy or another semaglutide drug, uh, the most common symptoms are, are nausea, vomiting, and occasionally diarrhea. Usually this resolves on its own, but in large overdoses, the symptoms can be persistent, causing patients to become severely dehydrated, requiring IV fluids and anti-nausea medication. Other symptoms include low blood pressure, um, low blood sugar, which can give you a headache or make you confused, lightheaded, and dizzy, or even faint. Low blood sugar can make some people jittery, irritable, or even aggressive. Uh-oh, I think I know somebody like that. Why are people overdosing on this stuff? Well, let's see. Uh, due to the current high demand and short supply of these medications, compounding pharmacies are allowed to sell the medication in vials. With very small doses uh, being typical, um, it is easy for patients to make the mistake and draw up too much, even 10, more, 10 times more than they should be using. Previously, this medication was only FDA-approved for type 2 diabetics. These patients are seen more frequently in the clinic and have regular blood sugar monitoring. However, recently these medications have gained increasing popularity for weight loss. For patients, it highlights the need for thorough education on the proper use of these medications, understanding the risks, and recognizing overdose symptoms. So if you're taking Wagovi or Ozempic, uh, be careful going to wind up in the hospital waiting for it to leave your system. HSA. Now, who's got an HSA plan? I don't. I don't. I wish I did, though. HSA is a terrific tax advantage way to pay for your health insurance uh, premiums and to pay for the co-pays and the other cost sharing that uh, you might have. Well, once you go on to Medicare, you're not allowed to participate in HSA anymore. You're not, you can have a high deductible health plan, but you cannot make the tax advantage uh, deposits into your HSA account or side fund, as we call it in the uh, pension business. So therefore, you've got to finish making your uh, last HSA deposit prior to enrolling in Medicare, any part of Medicare. And in fact, sometimes if you're over 65 and you haven't enrolled in Part A, Sometimes the Medicare people will 
backdate your Part A effective date, and that will interfere with your HSA coverage and cause you maybe to be responsible for a uh, a, uh, fine that the IRS will uh, impose upon you. So this article says um, you can use your HSA to pay for Medicare premiums. And that's a question I've gotten a couple of times recently. So that's what makes this article kind of um, timely, I think. Um, The health savings accounts, or HSAs, established by the IRS provide three distinct tax advantages for Medicare-eligible individuals. Your contributions reduce your taxable income. Any investment growth within the account is tax-free. And withdrawals used to pay for medical expenses are tax-free also. So an HSA is a savings account that allows for contributions with high deductible health care plans to make tax-free deposits to save and pay for qualified medical expenses. It's a tax-advantaged financial tool designed to help people grow their earnings and make withdrawals tax-free for certain medical expenses not covered by health plans. Individuals can seamlessly carry their HSA when transitioning between jobs and health care insurance plans. Some employees or some employers may incentivize HSA utilization by making initial or yearly cash contributions to the account. How does an HSA work? Well, if you're working, the money comes out of your paycheck before taxes. This reduces your gross income and therefore your taxable income. On the other hand, if you don't work, you need to find a health care plan that has HSA eligibility. If you're unemployed or retired and you cannot find an eligible plan, you cannot participate. Whether you contribute to your HSA from your paycheck or if you pay out of pocket, both options are tax deductible. After the money is in your account, you usually can access it via a debit card or checks connected directly to your HSA. You can withdraw the funds from your HSA to pay for qualified medical expenses without being taxed. Unspent HSA funds roll over on a yearly basis, and that helps you create tax-free savings to pay for medical care when you need it. However, any funds from an HSA that are used to pay for non-qualified medical expenses are taxable. So what can you use an HSA to pay for tax-free? Before you use your HSA, make sure the medical expense is covered. Qualified medical expenses include doctor's visits and co-payments, prescription medications, dental treatments. Oh, boy, Randy would like to hear this. Probably doesn't have an HSA, though, huh? Um, Vision care, including glasses, contact lenses, and eye surgery. Mental health treatments. That might, I should bank uh, some HSA money just in case I go nutty. Physical therapy, laboratory and diagnostic fees and services, medical equipment such as hearing aids, crutches, and wheelchairs. HSA funds are not permitted for use in paying private health insurance premiums. How much can you contribute to an HSA? The uh, the annual limits for 2024 significantly increase. According to the IRS, the annual limit on an HSA contribution for one person only will be $4,150. And for a family... The contribution jumps to $8,300. The new changes are a major increase, but with rising inflation, that has led to higher out-of-pocket costs for employees. Who is eligible for an HSA? Uh, You are eligible if you're covered under a high-deductible health plan, which has a deductible of $1,350 or more for a single, 
and $2,700 or more for families. Self-employed health care consumers can contribute to an HSA. If you have no other health coverage except what is permitted, you, you cannot have any other health coverage except what is permitted. For instance, you and your spouse have family coverage with an, a high-deductible health plan. You cannot generally have any other health coverage. However, you can still be eligible if your spouse has a non-high-deductible health plan, uh, provided you are not covered by that plan. Uh, you aren't enrolled in Medicare. That's another thing that would disqualify you from being able to use an HSA. If you enroll in Medicare, you can no longer make contributions to the HSA. For individuals with qualified employer health insurance who may qualify to delay Medicare enrollment past 65, it's especially important to understand how getting Medicare coverage impacts your HSA. So how to use your HSA for medical premiums, Medicare premiums, and other expenses. Funds that are sitting in the HSA can pay for some Medicare expenses, including your Medicare and Medicare Advantage plan premiums, deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance. Keep in mind that money in the HSA fund cannot be used to pay for Medicare. Oh, that's not true. Uh, I've heard the opposite, um, that funds that are in the HSA uh, account <clears throat> can be used to pay for Medicare supplement premiums. That's what I've always heard. You may use your HSA funds free of tax and penalty to pay for Medicare Parts A, B, and D premiums. Um, even if your Medicare premiums are being automatically withheld from your Social Security benefits, you have the option to make tax-free withdrawals from an HSA to reimburse yourself. What happens to your HSA once you enroll in Medicare? Well, after you enroll in Medicare Part A, or B, you're not allowed to make any future contributions to an HSA. If you plan to keep working and want to continue building up your HSA, you might consider delaying Medicare enrollment. If you're signed up for Social Security benefits, enrolling in Medicare Part A is mandatory. But there is good news. You can withdraw funds tax-free to pay qualified medical expenses even after you enroll in Medicare. You can even use your HSA to pay for some Medicare expenses, including your Medicare Part B, Part D, and Medicare Advantage plan premiums, deductibles, co-pays, and co-insurance. Late enrollees in Medicare face a unique situation. When enrolling in Medicare after turning 65, coverage is retroactive to the six months preceding enrollment, but not before the individual's 65th birthday. <clears throat> This becomes a concern for those over 65 contributing to an HSA who delay Medicare or Social Security enrollment, triggering automatic Medicare Part A enrollment. Individuals caught in this scenario may need to issue a revised tax return or face potential tax implications. The six-month look-back period serves the purpose of backdating Medicare coverage to avoid leaving individuals without health insurance while they transition from employer health coverage. Current regulations grant automatic six months of retroactive coverage to those applying for Medicare Part A or Part B after turning 65, rendering them ineligible to make or receive HSA contributions for the months that are covered. This may lead to refunding contributions or facing penalties for over-contributing. All right, well, that was pretty fun. So I believe uh, we have hit the point at which Randy wants to pack up and go to his dental appointment. 
So Randy, can you? Oh, take I can't wait to do that. <laughs> you look pretty excited. I'm telling you, I'm just I'm on pins and needles here. I just can't wait to do it. But one thing, you know, we always have, uh, you know, 75 cents worth of airtime, but I've got a couple pennies left. So let's go through the last list. I always do this. Number one, you can reach out to Doug at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget that Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out at the website, medicareforthelazyman.com. And also, I'm going to put a point in here as a point of memory. Keep checking back because the 2024 version of Doug's book is on the on-ramp to the interstate just right now as we speak. So keep checking back because it's going to be available not too long down the pike here. And I know you're going to want your very own copy. Last but certainly not least, thank you for joining us. You could have been 100 different places doing 99 different things, and you weren't. You were with us here on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And just in case you haven't kept track on your watch, you have just spent 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, and now he is living in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona, and I'm going to be nice to him today because it's going to be a good day. It's going to be reasonably warm, so I won't whine too much. I'm going to put him in at about 6,500 feet. I've had worse. I've had better, and I've had worse. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us today. We'll be looking forward to seeing you again at our next episode. Bye-bye. <laughs>